Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. So the first one is leverage an expert panel for quick iterative learning. April, I'm going to let you take this one. Yes. So I will jump in here. And you guys have heard me say it before on the show. And, you know, if you know us as as your partners, I am not a fan of huge quant studies. And that is not what we are talking about here. So the panel we're talking about is really just a small number of folks that represent your target consumer, both psychographically and demographically. And what we mean by that is you may have defined a certain age group or, you know, a segment of the population like moms with kids two to four, you know, that kind of thing. But then along with that, you need to have psychographic knowledge of your consumer so that you understand how to emotionally connect with them. So what things do they like? What things do they love? How do they feel about certain products? How do they feel when they're disappointed by certain products? You know, all of these emotional things play into it. But if you get it right with just a handful of consumers, that is really all you need in order to use this test and learn strategy. So you can source these people really from anywhere. Again, when we used to do the big heavy quant studies, like Ann mentioned in the in the intro with all the big brands and needing to prove things out with numbers – now that we have especially things like social media channels or sites like SurveyMonkey, I mean, you can pop together a quick 10-question survey, post it on your social, or recruit for people before and then send them the survey, and you can get a vast number of answers, but also insightful information from those people if you craft the survey right. And you can really leverage this panel however you want to. Um, There are additional ways outside of just, you know, serving. You can hop on the phone with them for 30 minutes. If it's packaging at shelf you want to look at, you can pop into the store with them and look. If you want to understand their product usage at home, not right now during COVID, but generally speaking, you can pop in for a visit and kind of observe. I mean, again, we used to do these big, long studies where it would be hours and days in fields at, you know, multiple homes multiple cities, multiple consumers per day. And that's not what we're talking about here because we, what we believe is that if you are a true tester and learner, you build up your craft of being able to listen really well for the type of information you need. And if you're not asking your consumers to solve things for you, but rather you're looking for information from them to help guide you, that's really the purpose of this. And therefore, that panel, however, again, you define it, can just be that handful of people. And the other part about it is it it can rotate too, right? So you can pick up a group of people and stick with them for a period of time if it makes sense. You can pick a few different groups of people if you have different segments. Or you can just, like I said with the survey monkey approach, put it out there, see which people match up to your psychographics and your demographics of your target, and then use whoever pops up in whatever order and go about it that way. So tons and tons of options, um, you know, not to belabor the point, but you really just need a few. Right. And I think what you're really articulating here is even though there's lots of options, is to keep it very simple. Absolutely. Right. So that it's easy to do this iterative learning because if if you if you select these people well and you screen for them well you can go back and iterate with them mm-hmm. in order to optimize something in a 
very quick time frame without having to go through all of the screening and, and, and all of that whole process again mm-hmm. or waiting a long time in order to field a study and wait for all the results to come back. So keep that in mind in, in just other some other ways, too, that we've seen other people um, do this. And actually, we do it, frankly, ourselves. We do it with our own clients. Uh-huh. So we'll um, test and learn with our expert plano clients and say, hey, let us try this on you. Let's try this like this, this whatever approach we want to do, whether it's a new coaching style or whether or not it's a new positioning or you know anything like that. So we'll use a, even a expert panel of our clients as ways to kind of test and learn. So. This can be defined in, in multiple different ways, but the, the key is to keep it simple. Know what you're asking for and be a really good listener. Yeah, and people are really apt to help you if they're interested and fans of whatever you're talking about. Um, there used to be the belief that you had to incentivize with a whole bunch of money, and that's not the case either. We feel like sometimes you can just send some product or a $10 Starbucks card if you feel mm-hmm. inclined. A lot of people will do it for free or a very nominal fee or item, you know, such as your product, and you don't have to worry then too much about all those incentives. Exactly. All right. Another approach for testing and learning is to make small bets first. And this is especially true if you're considering any kind of strategic partnership or sponsorship to boost your marketing and really anything that's going to require a big, and I say big in air quotes, spend or investment. And the reason why I put big in air quotes because big is variable for everybody. So it's whatever big looks like for you. So, for example, um, you might find that the NFL might be a good place for you to position your product or your service. Instead of jumping into a full NFL sponsorship, you may want to try, like, contracting a local player who your consumers may appreciate, even if they're not as popular nationally. So way more economical approach. And you can see if they work as an ambassador first for your brand. Can they extend your message? Can they talk authentically about your message? Do your consumers react to this in a in a positive way? And then if they do, then you can scale from there. You know, as an example, you know, we live in Cincinnati. Anthony Minos is a Hall of Famer. To this day, that man can still command a room. That's true. And it doesn't it doesn't require a lot of money in order to um get him to to speak. Um, and he still is very popular. So um, that is like one example of somebody who is like a local celebrity, if you will, that can really help potentially drive a, a meaningful brand connection that is, can help you sense out whether or not an NFL partnership may be a good one for you going forward. Another example, um, if you're in a in a B2B or even if you're somewhat in a B2C and, and you rely on industry events or conventions as a way to connect and, and, and share what's up with your uh, business, um, you might want to try like a smaller presence to begin with instead of like going all in on the big presence. I know it's really tempting to go all in on the big presence because it's pretty magnificent to, you know, have all that real estate dedicated to you. And and uh, it's, it's very impressive um, it, it, for your uh, your competition, too. You're making the same with your competition. But it can be very expensive. So, you know, you want to, like, feel your way into these and see if actually your consumer or your customer is actually there. Is this a good way to network with them? Even to the point where you might want to just, like, attend one of the sponsored dinners, uh, for an example, and just you know, network and see if they're even there. And this is a, if this is a good venue for engaging them. 
Another example is, you know, before you jump into a brick and mortar store, try selling your goods at your local farmer's market. Um, I've had several of my uh, friends who were, were looking to start restaurants and, and businesses do this. And you can really try out to see if like people are attracted to your brand. Are they attracted to your product? Do they continue to come back? Um, and this is, you know, like I said, good for like food or goods in general. And then just to round this out with a little bit of a marketing example is you know, you might want to leverage influencers as an example to be storytellers for your brand message. But instead of leaning into a full influencer campaign, you may want to start with like a few well-sourced influencers and just track their call to actions to see if you get traction. And if you do, you can then extend uh, the, the type of influencer you're using to, to get to even more consumers. And if it doesn't work, then you have to determine is influencers the right strategy for your, your marketing or, you know, maybe it's just those types of influencers. And this is the same approach for any marketing channel, like from billboards to advertising. So those are just some examples of how to make small bets. But you can kind of see how you take like the bigger piece and you kind of scale it down. But some opportunities may not be able to be scaled down. You need to really look for this, too. So. For example, NASCAR, when I was working on NASCAR um, for, for Tide, this was one thing that was very, very clear. NASCAR fans will support anybody or any brand that keeps their driver on the track, but it's a visibility play. If you're not showing up on a regular basis, then you're not going to get the traction with them, and you're not going to get the loyalty that is anticipated with that kind of a relationship. So one time or two times is may not actually be a small bet that actually scales to whether or not this is a, a, a it will be a bigger bet for you so you may have to try a different test and learn approach for this yeah and i think the point that we're making here right is these items that ann just outlined minus the nascar example are things that you you hear and you think that's going to cost too much money and that's what mm-hmm. we hear from our clients a lot of times is you know, you're crazy. There's no way we can afford these things. And so the point of this is, yes, you know, definitely make your small bets first. But it's also shedding some light on the fact that actually you can do these things in a more economical way that lines up with the spend that you have available for your business to then, yes, test and learn, but also just be there in general. And I think, you know, the NASCAR is a good contrast because that highlights one where it just definitely will not work. So in addition to knowing your consumer and your target, like we talked about in the first point here, this is about knowing enough about the approach you're taking to kind of inherently understand whether or not that would work for you. So NASCAR is an example, right? Ann just said you have to be there all the time. That's a big ticket item. If you're not there, then that's an easy way to opt out of that one. But it kind of shows you the balance of some of these big things really are possible because they're not as big Mm -hmm. as you think. They're really big things. Don't you dare try to place a small bet on those because it just won't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. The third approach for testing and learning, you can A-B test within a defined space. And I will tell you, when the creative world got a hold of this one, we had a fantastic time <laughs> because it meant we could test our ideas and some of the clients' ideas. A-B um, test forever. <laughs> the B, C, D, E, F test. Yeah. 
But for those of you that don't know what this is, first of all, this is the idea of picking two ads, or sometimes you do three or four, depending on what you're talking about, and putting them into market and seeing which ones resonate the most. And then that becomes your lead, your next A from which to optimize and then do the same thing over again when you have wear out with whatever that ad is. This is popular with like Google ads or pre-roll, you can put your money and divide it a little bit and then not spend as much, right? So you might take your total amount, divide it in half for a period of time, give it some time in market, see how it's working, pick the one that's working well, run that till it has wear out, start again, pick a couple more and just keep iterating that way. This works with social posts too. So we've talked a lot about use of channel and use of message and how those have to work together for your brand to attract the right people. Uh, you can test here too. So it might be different imagery or a different message or a different call to action. For example, if you want to you know, get people to respond or user-generated content, you can ask for those types of things and then again, see which one performs the best. And in this case, you know, it might give you an inkling of future posts. So if you see that really rich, gorgeous, beautiful imagery works versus black and white, you might say, oh, that's something that really entices my consumer, my target to want to engage with me. So, you know, we need to have that richness throughout or that just works better to feature my Mm -hmm. product because it really brings it to life versus the black and white toning it down. And then similarly, you know, with the calls to action, asking people to do something and seeing what happens and then measuring, of course, all of that against your KPIs. So we've talked a ton in all of our episodes about having KPIs, you identify those first and then just see which one tracks better. You can also do this um, before you even put anything out into the marketplace. And this was the traditional practice Mm -hmm. in advertising before the digital space came out, quite frankly. So we would design different ads or billboards or, you know, like pages of a magazine. And we would put them in front of consumers and we'd be, you know, in the back room with the two-way mirror watching what happens. But that was the way to test out what were their reactions to those types of things. Um, I think the important thing here, if you're going to test and learn in total, is make sure that you're controlling the variables that could sway someone one way or another. So, for example, with the what I just said about the print ads, you know, we would never show a billboard and then a print ad and then a digital ad with separate concepts. You want to show the same type of ad for each because that then limits people's sway toward like, oh, I'm more used to seeing billboards, so I like that one better. Or I love my fancy magazines. Mm-hmm. And that looks like a tear out of there. So I like that one better. So you want to make sure that you control those types of variables. But also it's really important to make sure that they're in context when you are testing and learning so that people can give you an authentic reaction that's going to be meaningful um, and react to it kind of like in the space it's going to be in. So with that example, again, if you're going to put a billboard out You want to show people in billboard context on a sheet of paper, perhaps, or on the screen what it's going to look like so they can internalize, okay, when I see that among the other billboards as I'm driving down the highway, will I internalize this message versus just putting black and white print on a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper and saying, do you like this message? Without the context, it can be really hard to test and learn. But this A-B approach in total is one we really, really like. We've told you how big of fans we are of testing and learning. But I think this lets you get stuff into market, especially with how digitally inclined we are these days, and get some really fast answers about what sways people one way or another, and then just keep pumping stuff into the marketplace. And 
the the beauty of it really is that it only exists there for a couple of seconds, couple of minutes, right? So it's not like people now expect that your, you know, digital ad that pops up next to their, you know, shopping cart on Amazon is the most beautifully, perfectly, you know, exquisitely written ad they've ever seen. They're just like, oh, okay, that's an ad from these guys. And then you kind of move on. So all of that to say another way to test and learn, um, really a fan of this from the creative space. I come from in more of the agency world and a place where you can get quick answers. Yeah, and I love this one when we were arguing about design, right? So <laughs> this was one where we're just like, let's, let's just put them both out and test them then, you know, because it, it's- That's what it's, I said. It's a, we loved it. It's the best way of getting over those internal discussions and those internal, like, just the do loops that could go on forever. Um, it's just to say, let's just put them both out and, yep. and, and take a look and see what does better. And actually, it should be part of any Google-based ad strategy any SEO, SEM strategy, which is this optimization of dollars based on what's working the best. And that all can be done almost automatically now. So it, it should always be part of that strategy to uh, optimize your ads, your ad spend based on what ads are performing the best. So um, great technique for avoiding internal arguments about who subjectively or objectively thinks it's better or not better. So Also good for fueling some fun internal competition among creative strategists and account people, just as an aside. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that would be the case. All right. Our fourth approach for testing and learning is what we call limited exposure testing. All right. In the olden days, we called these test markets. The olden days. The olden like days. the Oregon Trail. It is. It's kind of <laughs> like the olden days. But now they can take many forms. But you could still think about it as test marketing a proposition, even if you're not actually doing like a actual test market. So, for example, here you can test your new idea by offering it for a limited time. So this could be like a new menu item, a new bundle of product offerings, a new service. It's whatever you want to do in order just to get a reaction to your idea. But you only do it for a limited time just to kind of limit the exposure there and not Make, make sure that you're setting the expectation that it may not be there all the time. And this is kind of like an opportunity for people to give you feedback. You can also do it through a defined location. So you can limit your exposure through a defined location. So this is like more typical test market strategy. Like you know, if you do a new product or a new service launch or even a new marketing or advertising approach, you might want to do it in a like smaller representative market or a single store or a focused industry before scaling bigger. And one of the things we used to love to do is you know, follow the curve of early adopters versus mm-hmm. people that come along at a later date. So it wasn't, you know uncommon for us to place stuff like in California if it was going to be a new super healthy trend that was coming out to see if it would be adopted and then indicate whether that curve would continue or if it was heavy fashion, placing it in New York City and seeing Mm -hmm. if it took off. So that way you catch those people who are the trend setters or like we said, the early adopters, and then you can kind of gauge whether that will continue as you roll it out in other markets. Yeah. The only thing you just have to be a little bit careful here is making sure you don't have location bias, right? Fair enough. So, um, and that's what you really have to consider from your scalability standpoint, is that if you're designing something and you intentionally believe it'll do well in LA and you put it out in LA and it does well in LA, but then you try to launch it in like a Cincinnati because it's a different consumer, a different culture, a different expectation, a different vibe, it may not work so well. So just be conscientious of like what you're designing for to make sure you don't get that location bias 
that may give you a false positive or actually a false negative as well. Yep, fair enough. And then a third way that um, you could do this limited exposure is through a group size, okay? So it's a defined group size. And this feels a little bit like expert panel, but you're probably not recruiting these folks. So for example, um, we have colleagues who test new webinar or coaching strategies with a group of college students before launching in prime time. So again, not anybody that they're recruiting, but just a small defined group with which that they are testing this just to get the feedback and refine it and optimize it before scaling it um, into a bigger format or into a uh, more people. And what's really important here is that you have to set your KPIs in order to monitor results. And so that's a broken record for us. And we're going to continue to say that. And initially, you may have like no benchmarks or very little benchmarks, but you can always define what success looks like, even if it's within the confines of what you understand about your business and about your resourcing and your staffing right now. Just make sure you have some metric to align success or failure against. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, we talk about metrics all the time, like Ann said, and and we'll keep talking about them. Um, But if you don't have anything to work against, it makes it really gray and really hard to continue along a linear path towards some kind of goal. And therefore, you kind of are questioning, like, why are we doing this again? What are we doing? What are we working toward? And without those goals and metrics, no matter how soft or kind of inconsequential they are to the bigger picture, it's great to have that as kind of your guiding force to have gates that you're trying to get to as you move along. Yeah, exactly. Unless if you don't do that, then everything feels very arbitrary and decisions aren't objective. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.